good evening, everybody. How are you tonight? It's great to have you here today, tonight. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. Let's stand together. Our God is amazing, is he not? Let's continue to reserve that word for him, right? Lord, you are amazing. Let's bow our heads and our hearts and thank you for the time we have. Lord, we are grateful that we can come into your presence, Lord. And we do so with praise upon our lips, Lord, with thankful hearts, grateful hearts, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, you've given yourself, Lord, that we may come into your presence. And we ask, Father, Son, and Spirit, that you'd be honored guest here in this place, Lord, in this building, in this church, in the body you've created and given yourself for, Lord God, in our very hearts, Lord. We want to center ourselves upon you, Lord, this night and prepare our hearts for your holy word, Lord God, as we eagerly await to hear your truth, Lord God. We ask that you anoint Pastor Frank to bring it to us by your spirit, Lord, in your leading, Lord, with your words, God, from your word. And we just pray for a transformation in our hearts and a renewing time together, Lord God, as we celebrate Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. Let's sing that together. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Let's do that again. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth. With my mouth, till I make known 
this to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. One more time. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Yes, I will. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. I've got a river of life flowing out of. Let's get clapping together here. Ah, oh, much better. I've got a river of life flowing out of. Makes the rain to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captive free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Bring up a well within my soul. Bring up a well and make me whole. Spring up a well and give to me Ah, sing it out, I've got a river. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the way to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well in my soul. Spring up a well. Spring up a well and give to me that abundantly. One more time, I got a river. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well in my soul. Spring up a well and give me hope. Spring up a well and give to me that life That's what he's promised us, right? His indwelling Holy Spirit springs up a well of life within us. Amen.
into the darkness to shine. Out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you. None like you. Because our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Into the darkness, into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you.
crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea oh beautiful for pilgrims who stirred in passion Across the wilderness, America, America, God mend thine every flaw, confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in sisters in the church were sad that we didn't sing that on Sunday. Oh, Fourth of July was yesterday. So. <laughs> Let me ask you this, though. Gee. Have you lost? We were always very patriotic, mm-hmm. you and I, at the leading of the church, with some of the things that have been going on in our country. Has some of that fizzled out a little? It's heavier, for sure. Yeah. Me too. I'm wearing red without a flag, but normally I wear a flag. Me too. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Maybe next year we need to. The fourth will be on a Wednesday. We have a Tuesday night, night of worship, and just praying for our country. That yeah. prayer 
that we just sang is a great prayer to be praying for this country because this country needs healing. Mm -hmm. Anna came to me and she said to me, she was sad that we didn't sing that song. <laughs> You're an immigrant, right? No. You were born here? No. No, where were you born? Yeah. Oh, okay, right, right, okay. Sorry. Sorry to all the Puerto Ricans, I apologize. You know, I just want to, I want to say this, I want to pray, but you listen to our Presidente, you listen to his cabinet, you listen to the pundits on CNN and MSNBC, and America's a bad place. Can I just ask you then, why are there people flocking over our borders to come here if it's such a terrible, horrible, bad place? Right? It just makes no sense because it's still the greatest country in the world. And it's still, although there's some real sad things happening here, it's still the freest country in the world. How would you like to be living in North Korea or China? Huh? Father, in Jesus' name, we just humble our hearts before you on this night, Lord God, and we pray for the healing of our land. Lord, I, I lift up prayers every day to you, and I cry out to you every morning, Lord God, that you would bring a revival to this country that you would bring repentance to this country, Lord, and that you would bring renewal to this country, that people would turn away from their sins and turn to the living God, and they would begin, Lord God, to seek to do things according to his will and not according to theirs or to the devil's. I pray, Lord God, for this prayer just to be lifted up with all my brothers and sisters here tonight and to be lifted up every day. Let us cry out to you day and night, Lord God, because, Lord God, maybe it won't affect us. I don't know how many more years I have on this planet, Lord God, but my children and my grandchildren and maybe my great-grandchildren, Lord God, if things don't change, they may be living in a place, Lord God, that is very difficult and painful, a place where there is no freedom. So I'm lifting up this prayer tonight with my brothers and sisters in Christ and just crying out to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. You can be seated, kids. You can go. I think there were more kids here tonight than uh, big people. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about the contest. You realize in the Bible there was a contest? That God ran a contest. And it's in Numbers chapter 17. So if you stand with me for the reading of the word, I'm going to read the entire chapter to you. So the word of the Lord here says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's house, twelve rods. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. And there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel and each uh, their leaders gave him a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's house, 12 rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. 
Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. And then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we all utterly die? So Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, this night that you would open up our hearts and minds to the wonderful living word of our Lord. And Father God, you would, Lord God, allow us tonight just to sit at your feet, to look into your eyes, to open our ears, to hear your voice, and that you would minister to us, Lord God, from Leviticus, I'm sorry, from Numbers chapter 17. Let it be for your glory and honor, in Jesus' name, amen. So you can be seated. So again, five things here that I want to focus on tonight. The first is the challenge. The second is the contest. The third is the confirmation. The fourth is the concern. And then the fifth is the culpability. Do you, do you know what the word culpability means? Anyone? Responsible. Responsibility. Okay. I just kept it in the seas. To, you know, this is what fancy stuff that preachers do. I kept it in the seas and I found a word that essentially is the same thing as uh, responsibility, culpability. Okay, so you have the challenge. Essentially, what's happening here through numbers, and we've been looking at this, the people are challenging Moses' authority. They're challenging Aaron's authority. And really, they're challenging Aaron's, essentially his descendants, the, the, the Levitical priesthood. Okay, essentially in, in, the, in the Aaronic line, that's what they're challenging. So essentially, again, God had given this authority to Moses and Aaron and the Levites. He empowered them. I mean, he authorized it. He anointed it. And they're attacking it. Okay, they're rebelling against it. They're questioning it. So if you go back with me to Numbers chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, just again, remember we looked at Korah's rebellion. It says, now Korah the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and on the uh, son of uh, Pilath, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown, and they gathered together against Moses and Aaron, said to them, you take too much upon yourself, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? And essentially what they are saying, who do you think you are? Who do you guys think you are? And they're saying, we're just, good, we're just as good as you. You're no better than us. I've been there and done it. In 40 years of preaching and teaching the word of God and leading this church, I've been there and done it. I just want to share something with you, and I believe I'm doing, and I've been doing what God has called me to do, which is to lead 
and to preach and to teach. Now, there are men who were raised in the church. Pastor Lou was raised in the church. I was not. And a lot of men, and I don't know if this is true of Pastor Lou, I believe Pastor Lou was called by the Lord, but there are men who grow up in the church. I've, I've met many of these men, and they have this like ambition from an early age to be a preacher, to be a teacher. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a place of prestige. You know, it's, it's a place of honor in a Christian home. And you can see this with Mr. Zambito. Whenever he, you know, Father's Day, he would very proudly say that, you know, Lou was his son. Talk about his daughter and his son. But very proud that Lou is his son. He grew up, you know, he raised a preacher. That wasn't, that wasn't my experience. I never considered... Ever, not, not one inkling or thought ever entered my mind of doing what I'm doing here tonight. I never, I never thought about it. I never considered it for one moment. It never entered my mind. I had other goals. I had other dreams. And I had other interests. And God came into my life. And he saved me. And he gave me a calling to preach and teach the word. I want to say this. I want to relate this to the apostles. And in no way am I saying I am an apostle. Nor am I a prophet. Nor am I even a minor prophet. But when Jesus called the apostles, when he called, when he called Matthew, Matthew's there and he's a, he's a businessman. He's a tax collector. And he's got an agenda. I, I don't think he was ever for a moment thinking that, hey, you know what, the Messiah is going to come along, I'm going to give up my tax collecting business, and I'm going to go and follow the Messiah. Same thing goes for the apostle, the fishermen. For the, for the Zebedees, right, you know, for, for Peter, what are they doing? They're fishing. They're caught up with their fishing business. They're, they're trying to, you know, make ends meet. They're trying to run a business. They're fixing their nets. Jesus suddenly comes along, and they just drop their nets and they go and they follow him. But it wasn't, it wasn't something that was, you know, was in their hearts. It wasn't an ambition. It wasn't a goal. It wasn't an objective. It was a calling. This is what God has called me to. And again, I've been doing it for 40 years. So every once in a while, and this doesn't happen, in fact, let me tell you, in these last years, it really doesn't happen. But there were times, especially in my younger years, where someone would come along and they would challenge my position. Like, who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than us? And really, I, I, that's, not a, that's not a thought. Again, that's, that's not a, a motive that I, you know, that I have. But I'll say this to you. I have been very clear and very confident about what God has called me to, what he's called me to do, and who I am. And uh, that has been my experience for the last, again, it's 40 years. So Moses and Aaron, again, they are being attacked for the calling, and as you look at these passages, and as you go through Exodus, and you go through Leviticus, you go through Numbers and Deuteronomy, 
you see that, that they were not, Moses was not this egomaniac. In fact, he's called by the Lord the humblest man right on earth. So what happens here to, to Korah and his 250 companions, right, the earth suddenly opens and swallows them up. Now, I, I want to say this to you again. Moses, as a baby, the Word of God says he was very special. Stephen says that in his sermon in Acts chapter uh, 7. Moses, God called him from the burning bush. Moses, whom God talked to face to face. Moses, who God gave the Ten Commandments to. Moses, the lawgiver. Moses, who wrote the Torah, right? The first five books in our Bible. Moses, who was God's instrument in liberating the Israelites from Egypt. Moses, who God used to part the Red Sea. Moses, who led the people to the Promised Land. Moses, who interceded time after time again, saving the Israelites from the very wrath of God. Now, if you got any sense, you don't mess with Moses, right? I mean, it's just, if you got any, any, look, if you got any brain tissue in between your ears, you don't mess with Moses. I'm going to share with you, remember Jim Croce? He sang a, a, a song, You Don't Mess Around With Jim. I want to just give, give you this. It says, you don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger, and you don't mess around with Jim. And I'll tell you, just take that. You don't mess around with Moses. <laughs> so these people are challenging the very authority of Moses, Aaron, and the Levites. So, second point. So God runs a contest. He has a contest. And in Numbers 17, verses 1 through 5, what does it tell us? It, it, it says that, first of all, I want you to notice in red, thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. God is, God is here. God wants to get rid of all the complainers. He wants to shut them up. He's, he's tired of hearing their whining. He's tired of hearing their complaining. He's tired of hearing their murmuring. And he's tired of hearing their rebellion. So he wants to put an end to this. His patience, God's patience is running thin. It's, it, it, it's running thin. When I was um, a very young preacher before I pastored Living Word, I had some really great mentors. And uh, I think it's so important for a young man, I think there's nothing better than a young man who's being called to the ministry to find mentors. And I, I mean, I, I, God, I didn't seek them out. They just came to me. But Dallas Mucci, who was our, our bishop, Dallas went home to be with the Lord a few years ago. He planted over 100 churches and then planted churches in Pakistan. And uh, then we had uh, Scotty, Scotty, uh, Reverend Scott, started over 40 churches. 
Kenny Jones. Kenny Jones was a missionary who literally pioneered Paraguay down in South America. Uh, just a great man. And then my pastor, Charlie Rizzo. These are great, you know, great, great leaders. And they, and they basically had said to me, you're going you're gonna to have people, as you build the church, you're going to have people who, who basically are going to complain. They're going to whine, and you're going to meet people who are, you know, rebellious. And I'm grateful for the, the lessons that they gave here. So, again, God has a contest here. And um, what he says is you, you take 12 staffs from each of the leaders of the 12 tribes, and um, what you're going to do is you're going to put them in the uh, tabernacle, and the one that blossoms, that's the tribe that I've chosen. That's the leadership that I've chosen. That's Moses and Aaron, and that would be the Levites. I didn't have a staff. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a staff that was going to bud. Okay? And, um, you know, just how do you deal? How do you deal? How do you deal when, when you're, you know, hey, we're going we're gonna to start a church. And there were people immediately, they disagreed. We had a nice Bible study. Boy, starting a church is a big deal. And, uh, you know, I want to build a church. And, uh, and, you know, and they disagreed. So we started, we, we started the church in the, in, in the home. And it was, we need a building. We need to get out of here. This, you know, we, have, we had like 35 people coming on a Friday night, sitting up and down the staircase, all over the house, in the kitchen. We had this tiny little house. And so we need to, we need to get a building. And there were people who objected to, to that. Like, oh, well, it's, you know, we're just really comfortable here in this nice little place. And then we went to the movie theater over in Bergenfield, above the movie theater, and it was um, a gymnastics studio. And we would rent it on Sundays and break down the parallel bars and the uneven parallel bars, and we would turn it into a church, and we had altars, and we had chairs, and we had a little Sunday school room. But we outgrew that real quick. And I said, we need to get out of here. We need to, we need to get another building. So we came here. We were upstairs. We rented it. And uh, again, along the way, there, there, it wasn't a lot of people, but there were always a few murmurs. And you know when people murmur? It's contagious. It's a disease. It's, it's a cancer that metastasizes and spreads through the church, the murmurs. And so there, there's always those few people there who are, you know, who are murmuring. And then uh, the next step was... We need a building. We need to buy a building. And uh, we bought it. But again, there were still people. There were still people resisting. And, and again, as, as the Holy Spirit is leading, the Holy Spirit is leading a, a team. And, and Len Savino, you know, Lenny was in, you know, he was, he was part of that team. Sue was, you know, part of that, you know, that leadership team. And we're, we're you know, seeking what the Lord would do. But again, there's, there's, there, there's this murmur. So how do you, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? And um, I'm going to give you, I just want to give you two things here, because if, if you're in ministry, you're building, you're building your ministry, whatever it is that you're, you know, what you're doing here at Living Word Community Church, you could be a Sunday school teacher, you could be, you know, a nursery worker, you'd be leading nursery, you could be worship, you know, be on one of the worship team and the worship leader, sound, you know, TV, all the different things that we do here. So what do you do when, when they murmur and they complain? Carol, you ever deal with that? Never, right? Okay, here's a, here's a great word for all of you. Not just for those of you who are leading a ministry. This was a great word. This was given to me by Pastor Rizzo, my, my pastor. Hebrews chapter 12, 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'll give you another translation. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes off of the distractions, because these people, the devil is using them to distract you. And as long as you start looking around at these people, what's going what's to happen is, you're going to get distracted, then you're going to get discouraged, and then you're going to get depressed. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. So just by, by fixing your eyes on Jesus, stay focused on him. Another great word that was, uh, that was given me. It's about Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is building the wall, and there's these three characters, right? Uh, Sanballat, Gershem, I forget the name of the third. Sanballat, Gershem, and, and Tobias, Tobias. And um, they're constantly, like, they're, they're trying to get Nehemiah to get distracted. They want to get him down from the wall. So they're, they're trying, hey, you know, you need to come, you need to come down. Come down and, and have, have dinner with us. They wanted to kill him. And Nehemiah says in Nehemiah 6.3, So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Stay focused on the work that God has given you. God had us building a church. Stay focused on building the church. Not on the murmuring, not on the complainers, right? Just stay focused. Stay focused on Jesus and stay focused on the goal that God has given you. Because again, the distractions will come, the distractors, the disturbers, and the enemy will bring chorus into your life. He don't want you doing the work of God. He don't want us doing the work of God. He still doesn't want us doing the work of God. So, again, God didn't give me a staff that would bud. He gave me some really good words. God says, hey, every one of you, bring a staff from the 12 tribes of Israel, and the one that blossoms and buds, that's the tribe that I've chosen. Okay, number three, the confirmation. So in in verses 6 through 9, let me read this to you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece, for each leader according to their father's house. Twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and had produced blossoms, and yielded ripe almonds. And Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. This is God's confirmation. Who did he choose? He chose Moses. Moses was a Levite. He chose Aaron. He chose the Levites. Okay, to be the priests. By the way, that, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that have happened that these people should have known that before. I mean, they're walking around in priestly garb, right? They're serving in the tabernacle, right? And they're not. So I want to share this. I want to share this with you. Confirmation. How do you know know when God 
is calling you to something? How does God, how does God confirm it? you know, in our lives? How does God confirm the calling to, to build a ministry? I mean, we have a, a, a lot of ministry leaders here tonight at, at Living Word. How does God confirm it? First thing, he will give you passion. He will give you, he will confirm his call by putting fire in your heart. Rosemary, right? He will put that fire in in your heart. Look at Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. God, God is saying. Who will go for us? Who's going who's gonna to be my messenger. To Israel. In this very, this very trying time. Where the Assyrians are coming. Israel is in horrible sin. And Isaiah says. Here I am Lord. Send me. And I promise you. It had to be an enthusiastic. Here I am Lord. Send me. He was, he was enthusiastic. There's there passion in Isaiah. And you know, God will give passion as a confirmation into a man or woman's heart who is called to do something for him. When, when God called me to preach, I had a passion burning in my heart that has been burning for 40 years. I had, I had a passion to... I, whenever I was... At, Sue can tell you this. They would ask me to go anywhere, to preach the word of God, I, I would go. I, I never said no. Where, wherever they asked me, I would go. To, to church, I, I even went, we went to the Catholic church and had an opportunity to be able to share. In the Roman, in the Roman Catholic church. But wherever, on, on a racquetball court, I led Bible studies to all these kids. Some of them come to the church now with their families. But I, I, I led Bible studies in, in, on the, you know, the racquetball court. We had a Bible study in our home. We had a Bible study in another home. Right? It was just, there was a passion to preach and teach the word. It was, it was burning in me like a, like a fire. Burning more so than anything that I had ever experienced before. And I'll say this, that passion was not only to preach the word and teach the word. And I'll give you a second. I want to give you a second key thing of the confirmation. It came with a hunger for God's word. A, a hunger to study his word, to learn his word. And it was, it, that was every morning, every night. You know, I'm on a job. And at lunchtime, it was going into a boiler room and sitting with the Bible and studying the Word. There was just this, this passion for the Word of God. And Saturday and Sundays, sometimes 10 hours each day, just, just studying the Word. I'll tell you this, that, that is a sign of being called to preach. I will, I will say that to you. It'll be a passion to preach the Word, but it'll be a passion to be in the Word and to be sitting at Jesus' feet. And I'll tell you, I get as much of a thrill studying the word as I get what I'm doing right now. Sometimes even more so. So there would be that, 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 that confirmation. I'll give you another, another one. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. It says, the 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, right? Again, he will instruct you. He, you're going to sit at his feet. You're going to learn. Okay, number, number three is fruit. The confirmation of fruit. There will be fruit. Whatever you're doing, if God has called you to do something, 
He is going to bring fruit from it. Whatever that may be. That may be teaching Sunday school. That may be working in nursery. That may, that may be just doing any other type of ministry. He's going to bring fruit from it. In John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And that person will produce fruit. The, fr- the fruit of winning souls, the fruit of making disciples. Okay, number four. He will confirm your calling with perseverance. In James chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There will come the confirmation of perseverance, of endurance. Because there will be tough times. There there are going to come disappointments. There are going to come wounds. There's going to come frustration. But the person who is called, that confirmation, they're going to press on. They might feel like quitting, but they're going to press on. Right? They, they might feel like retreating, but they're going to press on. And that is, that is, again, that is a sign. That is a sign of a true calling. Another one, there will be the confirmation of leaders around them. So in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 2 and 3, while the people in the church of Antioch were worshiping the Lord by fa- and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. That is just that is a confirmation of leaders. You know, we, we will be placing our hands on a deacon here who is coming into the, the deacon ministry here at the church. You'll see that in, in August. That is a confirmation that we have seen, we have seen the fruit of their ministry. We have seen we have seen it, it demonstrated. When I was ordained, 120 pastors placed their hands on me and prayed over me. And that was again, that was a confirmation of again the body of Christ. I was being confirmed by the Lord through the elders of the body of Christ. And I'll give you one more. And that is, well done, good and faithful servant. The, con- the confirmation of God's voice speaking into your life. When you, when you are doing God's work, he is going to confirm it. Right? In, in Matthew chapter 25, 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of uh, your Lord. Many times after preaching somewhere, after doing a revival meeting, sometimes revival meetings, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, two messages on Sunday, I'd be driving home, driving home from the city, driving home from New York State, and just the the Lord, I would hear his still small voice just saying, well done. Sometimes, you know, leaving here on a Sunday, just just driving home in my car, and just hearing the Lord, you know, just saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And that, will, that, that confirmation, that confirmation will come. So there is confirmation. Again, the confirmation of the budding staff of Aaron, I mean, again, that would be wonderful. But these are, these are the ways that God confirms our calling 
and his choosing of us in our life. All right, number four is, is the concern. The concern, I'm just going to touch on this, the Israelites, right? They are, they are freaking out. So verses 10 through 13, And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him. So he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we die. We perish. We all perish. Whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we utterly die? I just want you to, to see that the budding of the staff served as a sign that points to what? To their sin, to their rebellion, right? To their to their murmuring. Let me just show you. Go to First Corinthians chapter ten, verse six through twelve. First Corinthians ten is a great commentary on what we're looking at here, and he says, "Now these things, or the Spirit says, now these things become our examples." The things that he was just talking about was the water from the rock, the parting of the Red Sea. So he says, these things are examples to uh, the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So this is a message for the church. These things we should learn from. The, the, the budding staff of Aaron, learn from it. And do not become idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Now watch, here it is, verse 10. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. That's what we're looking at here. That's chapter 16, that's chapter 17. And by the way, that goes on to chapter 21. Now, all these things happened to them as examples that they were written for admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. But those, again, the budding of Aaron's staff served as a warning. Where did God instruct Moses to put the staff? Right in, in the ark. What else was in the ark? You have the Ten Commandments. What is it a reminder of? Their rebellion against the law. What is, what is the jar of manna a reminder of? Their rebellion against God's provision, his food. And then what is the staff a reminder of? A rebellion against the authority that God had basically given to Moses, Aaron, and the Levites. They are, they are there, they, they are symbols, and they are reminders, and they are, they are reminders for us against rebelling against God's law, rebelling against God's authority, and rebelling against God's provisions, ungratefulness. He says that, that he is going to deal with us when we are in that rebellion. So, the Israelites, I mean, they have, a genuine, they have a genuine concern here. And so should we. The fifth thing here, final thing, is the culpability. Culpability, again, is responsibility. 
And the responsibility now falls on who? Who now is responsible? The Levites. The Levites now, they they are in a place of responsibility. You go to chapter 18. Let me, let me, let's read it. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the inequity related to the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the inequity associated with your priesthood. Also bring with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons are with you before the tabernacle of witness. They shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle. Great responsibility here. But they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, lest they die. They and you also. They shall be joined with you and attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting and all the work of the tabernacle. But an outsider shall not come near you. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar that you may be no more uh, wrath on the children of Israel. Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you, given by the Lord to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Therefore, you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. So the Levites have been selected amongst all the other tribes of Israel to do what? Right here, let me just show show you this. There is the tabernacle. Uh, These are all the different tribes of Israel. Which tribe surrounded the tabernacle? Levites, right? And the Levites, right, they, they they carried out the work. Now, Only the Levites were the ones offering the sacrifices. Now, the other men of the other tribes could come in and they could bring a lamb, okay, or an ox, but it was only the Levites who would offer those sacrifices on the brazen altar. I want to say this to you. There were sometimes so many animals being sacrificed. You start to look at the Levitical priesthood. They were doing this very sacred thing, offering up the sacred, you know, the sacred lamb or the sacred bull, the sacred goat. But they were butchers. They were butchering. And by the way, they were eating. They, they, they had the animals. They ate the animals. Their families did. But they were butchering these animals. And that blood was being poured on the, you know, on the brazen altar. But only they, only they were there. Now, we go to the holy place. You have the candelabra, you have the table of showbread, you have the altar. Who, who was allowed in there? Only the Levites. What did God say right here? We just read it. If somebody else walked in there from the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, or you know, Asher, they, they, would, they were put to death. And God said, I'll strike them down. So you begin to see again this concept of culpability, responsibility. They had a, a tremendous responsibility of keeping the candelabra burning, keeping the table of showbread, right, the loaves there, and offering up the altar, uh, uh, the the altar of incense. Now, you get to the holy of holies. Who went in there? 
high priest. When? Day of Atonement. Once a year. Right, right there in Hebrews. Gives us a nice commentary on it. But into the second part of the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, for which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committing, committed in ignorance. He would go there, right there on the mercy seat, right below, right below you have the Ten Commandments, you have the Aaron's staff, and you have the, the draw of matter. Man's rebellion, holy God, mercy seat. Who is our mercy seat? The blood goes right there. Great responsibility. Culpability. You know what it tells Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 12, 48? But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. That is culpability. That is responsibility. You say, well, God chose the Levites, right? Aaron's staff butted. Wow, we, we won. It comes with great responsibility, with tremendous, with tremendous culpability. And you look at what, what James says in James 3.1, My brethren, not many, not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Those of you who teach the word here, whatever Bible studies you're teaching, including children, you have a tremendous responsibility. God is going to hold you accountable. And your responsibility is greater. What I do here is much greater, and I will be held to a higher standard of accountability than what, what other people are doing. That's why, again, I see, I see a lot of, you know, I, I tell you how many people have come into this church through the years and said, I want to be a preacher. I mean, I, I've had, uh, there, there have been so many of them. And I think a lot of them don't know what they're asking. You know, they, they think that this is, this is like, oh, well, this is just all, you know, fun and games. The putting together of a message, the careful putting together of a message to make sure that you are right on point with God because if you are not, he is going to deal with you and he is going to, heal, you know, he is going to hold you accountable. Look, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We are going to have to give an accounting. Every one of you is going to have to give an accounting. You're going to have to give an accounting of what you've done for Jesus since the day you accepted him until to the day you die. So whatever day, I, 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 I came to Jesus when I was 23 years old. I don't know the day that I'm going to die. He knows the day. And I am going to be held accountable for what I did with what he gave me during that course of time. And he will hold us accountable. And I'll tell you again, teachers will be held to a much greater standard. And for those who have been given more, the standard will be even greater. So here's my, uh, my final word. You have, you have Aaron's staff. A gracious sign. Now, let me say this to you. I always say, you can find Jesus in every book, in every chapter. Aaron's staff is a typology of Jesus. You know what it tells us? It tells us in Isaiah 53 too, like a tender shoot, like the root out of dry ground was the Messiah. But you know, it's just this 
budding of the staff of Aaron gave light to God's plan. It gave light that the Levites were the chosen priests. And what did Jesus come to do? To give us light, for he is the light of the world. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word this night. We thank you, Lord God. There is, Lord, great blessing here and understanding, Lord God, again, how you confirm a call. Lord God, there is also great responsibility. You've given us, Lord God, things to do. You've given us a life to live. You've given us material things, Lord, money, time, gifts. Lord, we will be held accountable, Lord God. May we be responsible, Lord God, that on that day we would hear, Lord God, very clearly as we stand before you, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, a little, and now I give you more. Enter into your rest. Amen. Stand with me. Let's close in, uh, in worship, and then we'll, we'll get into prayer. Thank you. We should pray over Jess. Put oil on her, anoint her. Man, you're touching things you shouldn't touch. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. It's a great word. Okay, guys, you're going to sing with me, ladies. You're going to echo. And to keep it simple, there's no clapping. Mercy is flowing, mercy is flowing. 
of holies is his name. Holy of holies is his name. Holy of holies is his name. risen from the grave. Jesus has risen from the grave. Jesus has risen from the grave. Jesus has risen. Jesus has risen. Jesus has coming back to claim his own. He's coming back to claim his own. He's coming back to claim his own. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah. 